Hello, and welcome to Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. episode I'm going to take a look at the gravel walk or the gravel walks um that's how I best know the tune like of all the tunes that the gravel walk is supposedly related to it is by far the most famous of them uh is that title but it doesn't I can't find a reference to that title before the kind of early well like the 1930s 1940s or so um but the the tune itself is supposedly part of several very large families of of tunes or rather you know if you look on traditional tune archive and kind of follow the concordances or or related tunes um it's kind of tied up into the Galway Rambler, tied up into the Highland Man Kissed His Granny, tied up into um, Ryan's Rant. Uh, some people even argue that there's a relationship to the Groves if you go far enough, although I can't hear that concordance at all. Um, so that's what we're going to look at here. Um, you know, my relationship with the Gravel Walk is was surprising. Um, you know, as I was becoming a piper, it felt like the gravel walk was everywhere. But before I heard or noticed um, another piper play it, I actually bought a, a batch of music um, at a Barnes and Noble bookstore. I wonder if anybody else had this experience, but uh, Barnes and Nobles were these kind of big bookstores in the United States uh, in the 90s, I feel like is when they were at their peak, maybe the early aughts. Um, but they were just, everybody, it was like Walmart for books. Everybody was convinced that Barnes and Noble was going to drive all the bookstores out of existence, which they sort of did. And now Amazon has driven most of the Barnes and Nobles out of existence. Um, but in the, in the nineties, it was just bizarre. You would find all sorts of books there. Uh, sort of like now you can buy people publishing out of copyright books uh, online, you know, just, just printing them out without putting a lot of effort into it. It seemed like Barnes & Noble was doing that for a while too, so you'd find all kinds of random stuff there. Um, and so, you know, I, like many kids, enjoyed going to Barnes & Noble and kind of begging my parents to buy me books. And I was very surprised at one point in the 90s, uh, kind of going through and seeing this little book, uh, Traditional Irish Music for the Bankpipe by Dave Rickard. And it's, and it was full of Highland Pipe tune or Highland Pipe settings for Irish music. Um, and it just like was not a thing I expected as a young bagpiper to find at a very uh, big and successful you know, bookstore. Um, but on nearly the last page, oh, it is, it's the second to last page, uh, of the, of the book, uh, he's got a setting for the gravel walk. And I just loved it, especially, you know, his setting for it uses those, those big kind of heavy burls and, you know, burls were sort of the first embellishment that I got excited about as a, as a piper, like Tar Lewis didn't do it for me at first. Um, but as soon as I could hit that big double burl, it just felt awesome. That's, that's this movement here. If you're not a Highland piper, just 
good and bubbly. Um, Matt Seattle is pretty convinced that the burl is actually a uh, embellishment that comes from border piping tradition that made its way into Highland piping because it's not a Gallic name. Uh, same thing with grips, grips and burls. There's some argument to be made that those are more lowland tradition than, than Highland pipe tunes or Highland pipe tradition. Anyway, the gravel walk with these big double burls was just a super big fun thing to play. It was only a two part reel. Uh, and once I started playing through it from this book, it felt like all of my favorite like Celtic rock bands were, were playing it. And it seems like the gravel walk and Brenda Stebert's reel was like the best set ever for a while there um still is pretty good pretty good set of tunes and you know personally as i i played along you know it's it's a really great way if you've got some people that are kind of listening along there's there were sort of many times in my life i've used the gravel walk when an audience was sort of like dozing to just kind of switch to the gravel walk a really fast-paced reel and just got paper people super excited uh remember playing for a group of kids that were like on a lunch break once and they were just kind of listening and then I, I switched over and started playing the gravel walk and it was as if they just all immediately started spontaneously dancing which was just incredible um, but it's a good tune it's a really good tune um the reason that we're talking about Highland Ancast, his mother, and the Grab Walk in the same sentence is because I was looking through William Lytton's manuscript. And if you remember, William Lytton was the shipboard fiddler on the China fleet in 1800 and 1801. And he left this magnificent, you know, tune collection behind, which I'm, you know, there's, if you join the Patreon account, there's basically a pre-made album of me trying to figure out, like, good tunes. It's like 40 minutes of just straight William Lytton tunes. Uh, anyway, one of the tunes I recorded for that uh, kind of special episode, um, the Lytton episode over there, was The Highland Man, and I, but I didn't, I wound up deleting the recording accidentally. So, uh, anyway, I was kind of looking through it, and any of the tunes on Lytton that I was thinking about doing, I've been poking around trying to find other sources, find the history of the tune, and looking up Highland Man on uh, Tune Archive, it had this kind of it said, okay, yeah, this is Highland Man Kiss His Mother, and it has some concordances with the gravel walk. And I was just completely baffled. So uh, anyway, here is William Lytton's setting for the Highland Man, or the Highland Man Kiss His Mother, but he just has it as Highland Man. So if you're anything like me, at first listen, it's hard to really hear the gravel walk in that. Um, I've, I've become a convert <laughs> over the course of getting ready for this episode, um, kind of just listening to various versions of that and playing through various versions of it. It's, it's definitely there. But let's let's start oldest, all right? So um, many of these settings are, are pretty identical to that one. The, um, the oldest one that I have been able to find is in Robert Bremner's collection from 1757-ish. Supposedly there's an older one in uh, Johnson's collection of 200 country dances, but I couldn't find it. Uh, and I could only find his choice collection. I'm not sure if that's the same thing as Johnson's um, collection. But uh, anyway, so this is Robert Bremner's setting. It's to me, it's an easier tune to play on Highland pipes than it is on, on whistles or, or illin pipes, which is sort of a theme with the gravel walk and um, 
Highland man kissed his granny. For a long time, I assumed that was why people said they were similar. It was just they were really hard to play uh, for pipers. But anyway, here is Bremner's setting from 1757 for Highland man kissed his mother. So there are a couple kind of minor differences between these different settings. Uh, the main one there's like Lytton's is pretty typical of some of the Irish concordances where it walks its way up in the beginning, the um, where it's all different notes. And then uh, quite a few of the more kind of Bremner family settings are just it's just ba 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 rather than ba 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 ba. Anyway, that's really like that is that's sort of it for the differences. Um, there is a significant um, bigger difference in like James Aird. So this is another old setting. Um, Aird's this is in volume one, so it means it's probably from around the 1780s or so. Uh, but rather than setting it in that range, the rather than that, it's the uh, kind of alters it a pitch. So here's here's Aird's setting. It's uh, significantly easier to play on uh, Ellen pipes and whistles than. Uh, the other one. So that setting is is pretty rare uh, in terms of all of the the versions I looked at anyway. It seemed like setting it up there was uh, a little bit not the norm. Uh, there was a couple other versions that I found like that though. Hamilton's Universal Tune Book has it there, and then Davidson's collection also has it set in a pretty similar way. And then later on, we're going to listen to um, Matt Seattle's setting for it as well, where uh, Matt makes some other changes to it. So I want to do it as its own its own thing a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Davidson's uh, collection of Scottish melody is what that other collection uh, where it's it, it set up there. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, that's the that's the melody. Those are sort of the, the basics for it, I suppose. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, I saw it in Lytton when I saw that the Highland Man is the Highland Man kissed his mother. It, it rang familiar. I've seen it in Aired and seen it in other places. It's a pretty common tune in the 18th century. Um, but I just, you know, my interest in it went dormant as I kind of put the Litten project uh, on pause for a little bit when the hard drive died. And as I was looking for kind of episodes to do while my hard drive was gone, it's back now. I've got all that stuff recovered, by the way. Um, thanks, everybody, for your messages of support. I really appreciated it. Um, yeah, everything's back. But uh, in the meantime, I was working on an episode about the Caledonian Muse and the Hibernian Muse collections. And in the Caledonian Muse, they have the Highland Man uh, kissed his mother. And I had sort of forgotten, I had sort of forgotten how I played it on Lytton. I still actually don't remember how I initially played it on Lytton. But when I looked at it at Caledonian Muse, to me, there's something really liberating about a score that doesn't have the embellishments on it. 
um, where I can kind of do whatever I want with it and play around with it. And my default was just to play, kind of played around with it a little bit and played super fast. So this was my kind of remembering uh, how cool a tune Highland Muse was and playing around with it from its appearance in Caledonian Muse. So Caledonian Muse was published in, uh, let's see, it was published in 1790s or so. Uh, it's published by the Thompson family. We are going to have a whole episode on these Muse collections. It's going to be the next episode. And I'm actually going to do a kind of socialize hangout Zoom party thing on the last Wednesday of October. Uh, if anybody wants to come and hang out, it'll be 7 p.m. Iowa time. So that's one day, Wednesday the 27th. And the goal is just to kind of talk about these collection of tunes and hopefully share tunes with one another. So if you're a musician and want to play some tunes and want to have an excuse to practice something up, look through those Muse collections and find some tunes. And uh, yeah, we'll chat, kind of take turns playing tunes with one another. And we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, so here is my initial kind of interpretation of the Caledonian Muses setting for the Highland Man, Kissed His Mother. This is before I realized there were bagpipe settings for it. was also trying to figure out how it would turn into gravel walk and so I kept on doing those burls and then I just sort of fell in love with doing all those burls on the B part uh, anyway it's like I say tune really lends itself to Highland Pipes I think um, so yeah I came up with that um, didn't think too much of it that was just my first kind of glance at the tune and then um, and then was looking around some more and realized that there were settings written for Highland Pipes by Highland Pipers. Um, so I should look at those and, um, and they are quite a bit more reserved, um, than my interpretation. Although now today, the day I'm recording, uh, this audio, I just looked and saw there is a band called Pipe Down and, um, I think it was in Glasgow in the 2000s and 90s perhaps, but they have a recording of Highland Man Kissed, um, Kiss His Mother on their album and they also play it sort of kind of like that so i wasn't completely off base uh, but anyway looking at the historic settings for highland pipes um the older older settings anyway um so there's a setting in david glenn's collection of highland bagpipe music there's a setting in donald mcphee's uh selection of tunes uh, and there's also a setting from uh, mclaughlin's piper assistant um so kind of starting in the mid-19th century with mclaughlin i'm actually not going to play mclaughlin mclaughlin is pretty similar to glenn and um and mcphee it's sort of like a hybrid of the two even though it's older than the two of them but mclaughlin's embellishments are just hard kind of needlessly hard sometimes and uh, i just decided not to record it but we'll start with uh M donald mcphee I, of all of these official bagpipe settings mcphee's is the one i enjoy the most it does that uh it does that thing that highland pipe tunes does sometimes this doesn't mean anything but i, I really like the b part i really like how they they do the b part 
in uh, Donald McPhee's setting. So here it is. So yeah, I, I, I wind up improvising and doing all kinds of weird stuff with tunes quite a lot. And there is one style of, of playing that has just really defeated me. Like, I, I can't do it without really aggressively thinking about it. And uh, so I can't do it without looking at music for it. And so that happens in this tune. And that's that... Just the way that it... Rather than... There's some... I don't know how to describe it. If there's a way to to describe what's going on there, but uh, hopefully the Highland Pipers know I'm talking about, it's just the way that the the notes never quite do what I think they're going to do, like what my brain on autopilot would think they're gonna do, and they wind up sounding a lot better for it. The other way that this tune is different uh, is another, the slight variation in all these tunes that are sort of descendant, or all these settings that are descendant from Bremner, and that is, some of them will hold that first note, so it'll be, and some of them will dot it. So, so Glenn, which we're going to listen to next, puts a puts a grace note in between there, and McPhee doesn't. Um, and you'll see that with some of the older country dance settings as well. Um, they don't put grace notes in there, but there are lines over the top connecting the two eighth notes. So, um, and I, actually, I think Caledonian Muse has that too. So it's definitely my interpretation of that tune is a little bit off from how it was written. Uh, anyway, so let us listen to now David Glenn's setting. David Glenn also adds just a little bit of dotting and cutting uh, at the end of the phrase. So after listening to these settings intended for Highland Pipes, I started to feel a little, not bad, but like I was stretching the far the tune quite a bit farther than it would have been played historically, which, you know, whatever, that's something I'm okay with, really, um, generally speaking. But I was comforted uh, today, so again, I've been, this episode is quite a few days later than I intended to, uh, generally intended them to come out. I, I always like to release kind of midnight my time Saturday a.m. Um, but I kept on finding other things to do. I, I got too tired and went to bed and then woke up the next day and had another breakthrough. And today's breakthrough was talking to Matt Seattle about it. Um, and I, I didn't really look at the Rook manuscript seriously. I had assumed that Rook's version of this tune would be just like everybody else's because um, I had looked at so many nearly identical versions of this tune, but it is not. Um, the Rook manuscript, you know, it's not necessarily only written for, for Northumbrian pi uh, small pipes, but it definitely, you know, is, <laughs> there's quite a few tunes that are kind of thought of as, as small pipe tunes in there. And 
the cool thing about Rook's version is it's also a four-part uh, four tune rather than a two-part. And I think it's sort of... We're, we're going to revisit it later on Highland Pipes, but I think it kind of helps bridge that gap between Gravel Walk and the Highland Man Kissed His Mother. Uh, but anyway, here is Rook's setting as played by me on Scottish Small Pipes. And it is by far the uh, kind of outlier of... Um, tunes with that title but it, it does share like the first two parts feel like it's a completely different tune and then the last two parts are more recognizable um which is a trend with gravel walk too the four part kind of irish reel of, of gravel walk people think it's two tunes kind of sandwiched together uh, anyway here is rook's version of the tune really like that um and speaking of matt so to kind of round up the last of these that are kind of written with bagpipes in mind i'm gonna play matt seattle's version um so matt wrote this for the most recent uh, common stock issue so that's the newsletter for the uh, lowland and border pipe society and he kind of included in he included it in an issue or an, sorry a small article about how we should all be playing high bees more which is obviously a thing i'm very much uh, a fan of unfortunately i don't have I, i've been doing a lot of high b and high c playing on my highland pipes but doing it at speed is not a thing I can pull off yet. And as much as I kind of feel like I cracked the code on uh, playing high Bs and high Cs on my border, on the border pipes I was borrowing, I returned them. So I don't have border pipes anymore um, for, for a little bit of time here. So I'm going to play through Matt's setting for The Highland Man Kissed His Mother on a B-flat whistle. And uh, it's, again, kind of set up there high like Aird does and uh, with a little bit... Um, more high Bs than maybe Aird had. Uh, and then also Matt wrote two uh, additional parts that are, uh, unlike uh, Rook, they're not kind of completely out of left field. They fit really well with the piece. So uh, strongly encourage everybody to, to play this tune, especially if you've got a set of border pipes that can pinch up to high B. And if you don't think your border pipes can pinch up to high B, just try harder. Um, I'm actually going to have an episode here, again, probably around December, talking about playing high B and, and high C and that sorts of thing. So if you've been experimenting with doing that already and you want to kind of be on the show or send in a tune, I'd love to hear from you if you are playing around with um, 
playing the upper range of notes on a set of Highland pipes specifically, but uh, if playing them on border pipes is new to you too, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's hear Matt's sitting on, like I said, B-flat whistle. fourth part of that tune uh okay so i want to kind of check back in with how this tune was experienced by most people arguably and that's in these country dance books and the the list of alternate titles in ireland are huge and it seems like the list of alternate titles uh in scotland and england are quite a bit fewer <laughs> there's not so many different titles so the one thing that we see a lot of is jackie stewart's new reel uh and then the highly man kissed his mother those are the the two titles that show up most often and it's sort of funny how that works so thompson who published the caledonian muse publishes it as um you know, in the Caledonian Muse, it's the Highland Man Kissed His Mother. And then in his collection of country dances, he has the same tune, almost note for note in there, um, but called Jackie Stewart's Reel. Probably the, the funniest example of this is in the Rutherford Complete Collection of 200 of the Most Celebrated Country Dances uh, from 1765. It has Jackie Stewart's Reel and uh, the Highland Man <laughs> Kissed His Mother, like the exact same tune uh, in different parts of the the second volume. Uh, there's also another tune in there called Jackie Stewart, which is not the same. It's not the same tune. It's a whole different tune. I was going to include that too, but I'm going to run out of time. Uh, so we'll have that in a future episode because it's a pretty good tune. Uh, anyway, so these tunes are all basically identical. So I'm just going to include the one. Um, so we'll call this uh, Jackie Stewart's new reel from the Rutherford complete collection. But again, it is repeated in Thompson's Country Dances, and it's repeated within Rutherford's own collection without any changes. The title Highland Man Kissed His Mother or Kissed His Granny is not unheard of uh, outside of Scotland and England. Uh, it does seem like the Highland Man Kissed His Granny maybe has more, like it's more present in Irish traditions than it is in Scottish ones. Uh, in my head, it's the Highland Man Kissed His Granny, but like I said, um, I haven't been able to find anything outside of Ireland where they call it that. It could just be that I didn't do a deep enough look. I kind of... Like I said, I'm, I'm expecting at any minute to 
as soon as I publish this here, a bunch of more stories uh, of, of things that I missed and other connections. But uh, but anyway, it does seem like this tune, um, several diversions of it that I found have some connections to Donegal, and that's sort of where most of the stuff, uh, a lot of you know Scottish tunes uh, that are kind of adjusted and, and brought into Irish tradition, that's sort of where we talk about it the most often happening. Um, I wasn't really able to track this down apart from traditional tune archive, but you know, in traditional tune archive, there's this account of uh, explanation of where kind of the Highland man um, kissed his granny and where gravel walk kind of all connects with that, uh, where somebody explained that granny, sometimes granny or cranny, is a remote uninhabited glen, um, basically in southwest county Donegal, where people would take their sheep. But to get there, you'd have to take these gravel paths to granny. Um, so maybe it started as some weird kind of, of thinking of the Highland man kissed his granny. Oh, we're to the granny. We're going to take these gravel past a granny. Like maybe that's how the, the tune became known, the gravel walk. Uh, I know I haven't really done a convincing job of showing you how these tunes are linked yet. That's still coming. Um, but it's, uh, Anyway, it, it's on. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, Highland Man uh, shows up in Irish traditions in uh, in Donegal anyway, and so I wanted to play a clip of some kind of lovely uh, Donegal musicians playing the tune, uh, and it's actually it's sort of funny. I have a personal connection again to Barnes and Noble with this. Again, I don't know how many other folks growing up in the Midwest uh, without like a big robust Irish traditional music scene around you. If this is if you had this experience too, but. Um, you know, I, I recently met with uh, uh, the person that was loaning me the pipes, and we were talking about, you know, the experience of pushing the buttons and like listening to the sound samples of, of various, um, you know, CDs and stuff that you'd listen to. And one of those for me was an album by Altan, and it was like, and it was great. Like, and it wasn't just me that wanted it; my mom did too. So we wound up getting it, and I think we wound up getting like a, a cassette copy and eventually a CD copy of this, of this album. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, anyway, when I was looking at traditional tune archive for like settings for this, one of the settings was by kind of, sort of by, by Altan. It's from the, the album that's actually called Altan before the, the band formed. So, uh, I sent a, a request in, uh, so funny doing a podcast where you get to like email your heroes all the time. Right. But yeah. So I, I, sent a message to Mairead Nguyeni and I said, hey, do you mind if I play a track off your 1987 album on the podcast? And uh, she said, yeah, go for it. So this is Mairead Nguyeni and Frankie Kennedy playing a track off their 1987 album called Altan Before the Band Formed called The Highland Man, The Cliffs of Glen Columkill and Old Cuff Street from back in 1987. Thank you. 
there's sort of nothing quite like that sound, you know? It's perfect. Love it. Um, all right, so focusing on all the Irish variations of this tune, uh, the oldest title I could find for it was called Ryan's Rant, uh, and it's from a new-to-me collection that I'm pretty excited to dig into. Uh, it's from a collection of country dances, so this is Heim's 48 original Irish dances, and every four printed with basses for the pianoforte and proper figures for dancing. Uh, it's published in Dublin, as part of the Himes Musical Circulating Library, and uh, yeah, you'll hear it's very familiar. Here's what it sounds like. Probably published at around the same time as Heinz collection, uh, so like 1790s. Uh, it shows up in, you know, Aird or McFadden's collection too as Rayan's Rant. It's interesting because it's similarly different uh, in the same way that Aird's setting is a little bit unique compared to um, Bremner's setting for The Highland Man Kissed His Granny. Uh, Rayan's Rant is a little bit different from Aird too. So here it is just real quick. So I was looking, again, you know, a lot of credit to the kind of sleuths at Traditional Tune Archive, people who have come before me looking at this stuff, but uh, they had a, a reference to um, Ryan's rant in a primary source, like in a book, not about music, but just a book. I love that stuff. Uh, so I'm going to just include some writing about it. The notice about Ryan's rant is sort of not relevant or interesting. I mean, it's super interesting. Um, the part of this book that talks about Ryan's rant is basically they come in for a ball after a long time of um, playing around building a Russian mountain on top of a snow-covered mountain in Ireland. And like, I didn't know what a Russian mountain was. I was very confused uh, and was kind of delighted to learn that a Russian mountain is like 18th century... Uh, what they're called roller coasters, especially, or, or maybe like luges. So like roller coasters essentially made out of ice. Uh, so I don't know if like bobsled or, or what, but uh, essentially these dudes are playing around, um, like breaking their noggins, uh, being padded by the snow all day and then come in in the night for a nice ball. Uh, but yeah, this is a really interesting book. Uh, I kind of want to look a little bit more into it. So it's called... Uh, Irn, I think, or Anecdotes and Incidents During a Life Chiefly in Ireland, with Notices of People and Places, by a retired civil engineer. This was published in 1861, and there's just all kinds of kind of funny stories. Uh, I'm going to include another one where he talks about music, where he talks about the tune Paddy Carey, and just talks about him visiting London with a bunch of friends from Ireland, and kind of what that was like, and it just felt quite interesting to me to, to listen or to, to kind of hear this account, but it also talks about how music kind of worked um, in in Billingsgate or in, in London at that time. So here's a clip. We're going to, I'll read through that and then uh, we'll play sort of the, the music that he describes. Following the thread of the original notes of our earlier visit to London, I find that, wearied with sightseeing at the temple, the Thames and the Tower, we took but a hasty run up, quote, to the top of St. Paul's to take a peep at the nice little people below. 
as it was the last of our sightseeing visits but one, for that day, with a recklessness truly Irish, three of us had undertaken to be in the Ball of St. Paul's and in the tunnel under the Thames within the same thirty minutes. And that feat, to the amazement of the staid and steady natives, we effected by having a light four-oared cutter in waiting at London Bridge Stairs, to which we ran through Watling Street, an appropriate line for shillelagh boys, the noble line of Cannon Street being not available for us to shoot along. While many a jolly, gay-looking John Bull, with his hands thrust in his breeches' pockets, no doubt inquired, Who's the dupe? Jumping into our craft, we seized the three of the oars, one of the watermen, the fourth, and the skipper steering. She walked the water like a thing of life. On return, curiosity, as well as a craving to see if there was there a chance of getting wherewithal to prop the inner man, prompted us to visit Billingsgate. But, alas... Although mackerel live were landing in thousands from the boats, we felt like my countrymen lovers, inimitable Irish hero on the French coast, that the loan of a gridiron would be sadly wanted. However, one of our party more elastic than the rest, whether from the force of fun or famish, bought for threepence from a countryman of his own, who had, as the honor of retelling them, six fine mackerel, to the surprise and amusement of his more orderly companions, who were both dumbfoundered and pleased to find the speculation was a decided hit. The worthy Irishwoman's good sense coming to her aid, she naturally concluded that we were more inclined to eat the fish than to pocket them. She therefore strung them on a switch, and moving like a pilot balloon before us, she led the swells, including the purchaser, to a shellfish house, where all was courtesy. A nice dinner room was provided, and our mackerel cooked and served in such a style, for a few pence each, with bread and potatoes added, that we drank the landlord's health and happiness in London stout. At night, we saw enough of shabby and not very cheap or honest places. The only attractions discoverable, being bad music and worse drink, were young men accustomed to better at home, crowded in, to be indifferently served with dirty wiped knives and greasy-looking plates, if they chose to call for anything edible. Gladly, we perceive that tea and coffee, that better custom of entertainment, is gradually becoming introduced into places where the music is worth the hearing, and we cannot but think there is still a noble field of usefulness open, where a slight charge for admission to well-conducted concerts might be made to reduce the charge for such refreshments as I have alluded to, nearly to the prices at which they are attainable in the ordinary coffee houses in town, but neither smoking or strong drink of any kind to be admitted into the concert room. By a judicious selection of music and strict attention to propriety of conduct, as the middle classes must be amused, such establishments would tend to harmonize and refine the mind and to mitigate the evils which places now existing notoriously create. With all the evil, even then so amply spread around, we had, like our celebrated countrymen Curran and Yelverton, some bright moments of to remember, although we did not exactly get our supper for nothing. We got into an assemblage where there was really good vocal music, got up amongst the guests and one of the company who presided as chairman, observing our comical and rather ill-suppressed remarks, knocked with his mallet of office our table down for a song or a story, when at once, believing that an Irish rebellion there would be, there would have led to a British expulsion, Viet Army, uh, one of our party sent forth Paddy Carey as a peacemaker, with sufficient of the brogue for even an Irish auditory, to the delight of the Londoners. Such things reasonably well done here, not being so common as they have since become. Another of our party, still famous for drawing a humorous long bow, put forth a tale, in which the few facts were eked out by invention as far as possibility would admit, and all made tell by an eloquence and perfection of manner that carried off even his too ample exaggeration. 
We were rewarded in return by pleasing glees from professionals who no doubt supped at the landlord's expense and made themselves perfectly at home. So I went digging around for Patty Carey and try to find the history of that tune. And honestly, it's predictably something we should maybe do a whole podcast on. But you know, it's a comical tune that shows up in operas and um, you know performances and shows. But the and broadsides that are it's about an Irishman getting a promotion, and it, it seems like it's just making a bunch of stereotype jokes about Irish people. Uh, anyway, it's definitely a tune that would have delighted a bunch of Londoners that. Uh, like seeing Irish people make fun of themselves that way is uh, clearly what's happening, which, you know, from context is pretty easy to see anyway. Um, there's another section of this book where he talks about music, but it's a little bit more awkward to like do a reading from. If you thought that previous section was awkward, this is really awkward. I, I kind of recommend poking around this book, though. The way he organizes his anecdotes and memories is pretty funny. Um, this other discussion of tunes, like I said, it's after this whole long reminiscence about... Uh, ooh, if you can hear that thunder out there, I have quit recording this podcast four times to turn off my computer because of thunder, and I just want to finish it. Um, anyway, um, so this tune is after he insults some member of parliament, and then he remembers, like, why is this MP, like, so angry with me? We spent this time together playing around on a roller coaster uh, and then going to this ball. By the way, the quote that actually talks about the music, he says, To be sure, they made the boards resound to Jig Poltage and Ryan's Rant and other rattling tunes and then as pretty reels of four and eight persons as ever I saw, even in Carrie. So this ball happens and these tunes are popular, uh, I think, near Tipperary, around 1813 or 14 is when this ball happens. So I'm going to play all three of these tunes as a set on Highland Pipes. Um, we're going to use Patty Carey from John Clinton's Gems of Ireland from 1841, and then Jing Poltage uh, from 1801. That's from William Lytton's manuscript again. Uh, Lytton has it as a two-part. I'm going to do kind of two-part with some variations, and then we'll finish with Ryan's rant uh, from that Hyman collection. So uh, anyway, some fun, fun tunes.
All right. And as I said, there are lots of concordances uh, in Ireland um, with just some slight variations. So let's start with Around the World. Uh, this is from the Ryan Mammoth Collection around 1883. And nearly the same, but not quite, from 1907. This is from O'Neill's The Dance Music of Ireland, The Jolly Seven. And let's do, uh, this is um, Greer's setting, so it's from the 1880s. This is Lord Wellington's reel. to how um like they list um the highland man kissed his mother as like the the base for a whole host of tunes traditional tune archive lists galloway rambler as like the host or the origin for all of these tunes but there isn't really a satisfying old setting for galloway rambler so um it's also known as Lord wellington's reel which is where we just played that from greer this is just me playing it off of traditional tune archive i'm not quite sure where the source is from that you can hear my phone ringing at the end of that clip uh, all right we're going to kind of leave that strain we're going to come back to it in a little bit but uh, some more here's some concordances that show quite a bit more differences so we're going to start with um 
the Rambler's Rest or Tie the Bonnet. I think Rambler's Rest is a reference to the Galway Rambler taking a rest. Not 100% sure, but this is another one from O'Neill. That's 1907. It's another tune that is sort of harder to hear, but is still, if I'm listening to it right next to, if you do it in the right order, I can really hear how these things are related. This, this These last couple tunes are a little bit harder to, to hear with too much of a break in between. Anyway, so I shouldn't be talking. Uh, this is another tune from the Greer Manuscript. It is untitled in Greer, but it is kind of variously known as Made in the Chariot Tree or the Kura Races. Um, but yeah, here it is. playing that tune played it a bunch probably an hour and kind of felt myself um push through a plateau um i don't know if 
I'm sure people have experienced this. I posted a TikTok about it, but like how just some things were impossible in that tune. And then all of a sudden they weren't in a way that felt very unique and different. Um, that seems like it just comes from kind of absurd amounts of practice is generally how this works since I'm too stupid to take lessons. Everybody take lessons. Don't, don't do this yourself. Take lessons. Ask how to play things and then do it that way. Um, but yeah, fun tune to play. Uh, I kind of realized after the fact that, uh, Julia Barta has that on his, uh, swim in against the falls or swimming in the falls. Awesome. Awesome album. Awesome track on it. Uh, he plays it way faster and I'm so glad I didn't quite put it together who was what, <laughs> like who played it uh, until after I had recorded it and was done and dusted with it. Because, uh, yeah, his version is incredible, obviously. Okay, so uh, let's go to uh, the Fairy Hurlers, I guess. So this is another tune. I'm kind of bummed because apparently Emer Mayock has uh, recorded this tune on her album, but I don't know how to get her album without paying a ton of money for shipping. So that's definitely a thing I want to do in the future. But uh, Fairy Hurlers is just awesome it's sort of a six-part tune it's from o'neill's waves and strays the gaelic melody um interesting you know again on traditional tune archive you know according to o'neill his source for this tune are joseph p tomini and john kelly in san francisco um but according to traditional tune archive those guys got it from somebody in Donegal, uh donegal rather so again there's this you know kind of older um, connection to Donegal yet again. Uh, so anyway, this is from Waste and Strays the Gaelic Melody, published, I'm not sure if the, if the first one was published in 1922, but this one I'm looking at was published in 1922. Anyway, it's lovely and like six parts. Check it out. Okay, so I want to go into now, um, I'm kind of jumping around in order, but we're going to go back to Ryan's rant. So all of these tunes, again, like I said, if you listen to them all in quick succession, you can sort of pick out the development or how they are coming from. I'm actually going to put it on the Patreon feed just as a whole block of tunes, which I, I think works where you can feel the progression um, or just how every tune is just slightly different. Anyway, but there's this thing, there's like, there's, oh, I can kind of hear Gravel Walk, and then the Ryan's Rant from 1880 from Kerr's Merry Melodies just is Gravel Walk. Like, the... And it, it's one of these frustrating things that, again, I've been talking about traditional tune archive a lot. I love it. Um, the ABC notation that's uploaded on traditional tune archive 
it's just gravel walk. It looks like it's a misprint because they only have two parts. But if you actually look at um, the full Kerr's Merry Melodies, it's a four-part tune, and the first part is gravel walk, and the last two parts are um, clearly this tune. It's it's Ryan's rant. It's um, you know it's the uh, Highland and kissed his mother. Like it is that tune, um, but the first two parts are kind of similar to some of the variations in Fairy Hurlers, which is why I'm playing it in, in that order. So anyway, here is Ryan's rant. It's from the 1880s from Kerr's Merry Melodies. Like there it is, right? Like that's the tune. Um, yeah, I don't know. I so I'm gonna play um, kind of the earliest title of of gravel walk that I can see is early 20th century again from uh, Donegal Fiddlers, um, the Doherty Brothers is kind of what they call it. It's a notoriously difficult tune to play on whistle. I've been complaining about it all along. I was looking through the session.org. I was trying to find. <laughs> like I've been trying to figure out where this tune comes from, right? I've been reading everything I could on it. And someplace in the session.org, somebody mentioned, hey, here's a hack for you. Just get a G whistle and you can play. Uh, you just like adjust, you know, if you p- play on a little G whistle, it you can play the tune and it's a little bit more comfortable for your fingers in terms of the movements. It is way less comfortable for your fingers if you have halfway big hands. Like the G whistle is so tiny. Uh, but anyway, here is me playing the gravel walk, the four part, you know, uh, real on a G whistle. So I paid 20 bucks for a generation whistle in order to play that tune. And then immediately after getting it, I realized I could have done that on any of my whistles because I don't play with people. <laughs> like if you don't go and play in a bunch of sessions, you can just adjust your, you know, just start the tune on an E, you know, so it's rather than starting it on an A. And then it's fine. Then you don't have to worry about it. You can save yourself the 20 bucks uh, and not cramp your fingers. But if you do, play in sessions and want to mess around that does work uh, I, re- I realized my mistake post tiktok about it and then went and found somebody else playing it uh playing gravel walk and duetted them 
Uh, and it totally worked. So it, it totally succeeds. At the end of that, I, after that whole thing happened, uh, I asked the guy whose, whose video I do edit, like, do you know why the repeat happens on the, the last part so much? Because um, the version I do edit, and I've heard people say that, you know, you only really repeat the last part. It's like, why does that happen? He's like, I think it's just because people like the key change is what he was saying. And that sort of clicked in my head. And so I'm going to play, we're going to go all the way back to Rook's manuscript. Um, I mean, it's from the 1880s. We played it at the beginning of the show. It's the Highland man who kissed his, his mother, but I looked closer at the Rook manuscript and there's a key change between the two halves and you can't really do that on small pipes, but I pulled out my Highland pipes and played Rook's manuscript setting um, using that key change. And I think it, you can start to hear again that, that gravel walk uh, descendancy or relationship. And now, really quickly, because I'm running out of time, let's do uh, kind of the Irish, the full Irish version of uh, Gravel Walk on Highland Pipes. And I think that'll help to hear some similarities as well. man yeah i think that's it Whew. all right this has been an ordeal um we're not quite done nearly done um i you know 
the other thing that kind of kicked this off, I've been thinking about it in the back of my head for literally months, uh, but it was a very small feeling um, until this, this Lytton and Caledonian Muse thing kicked it off. But again, geez, back in February or March or something, a long time ago, maybe even November last year, Tim Britton uh, posted a clip of him playing Gravel Walk because lots of people have been complaining about how hard it is to play it on, you know, Ellen Pipes out at sessions. And so he posted himself playing it and, you know, just wonderful uh, kind of creative expression of a way to do it that is a little bit easier for Ellen Pipers to play. But um, it's just a lovely setting. And I asked him if I could play it on the episode here, and he kindly said yes. Uh, you know, I said I, I haven't had lessons. The only person I've taken lessons from is Tim. I've had two lessons that have both been really awesome and helpful. Uh, it's pretty great living um, so close, like <laughs> moving to Iowa and be like, oh, Tim Ritten lives like two hours away from here, uh, which is uh, just just far enough for it to have only happened, I think, three times I've gone down there and hung out. But uh, lovely guy and just some some just great uh, great musical approach to irish music but uh anyway so we're gonna go out with that um so huge thanks to tim huge thanks to Mairead Nowini uh for letting me play that track as well uh remember next week i'll be doing a read-through of the caledonian hibernian muse but on october 27th at 7 p.m u.s central time i'm gonna be doing a zoom hang out and kind of share tunes and share stories if you want to talk about the essays and if you're not a musician if you just want to hang out and listen to people play tunes uh that's sort of what i'm hoping to do for at least an hour um we'll see see what happens hopefully we make it an hour <laughs> last time we did like a book club uh two other people showed up and it was awesome it was, it was honestly uh it was great uh I think more people would be cool too but if just the same two guys showed up i'd be cool with that but uh, i think we'll be able to play some tunes and have some good chat about those collections and whatever you want uh yeah so check it out if you want to listen to just all of the music clips that i performed today i think i'm not going to do this on every episode but i'm going to upload that one like i said as a bonus episode on the patreon feed because it's pretty illuminating to listen to them all one after another uh, yeah so we're going to do that so you can join the Patreon feed at patreon.com slash waytotwog. All right. Cheers, everyone. Thanks again, Tim. We're going out on Tim Britton's interpretation of um, The Gravel Walk. I forgot the name of the tune after all this. Uh, his interpretation of The Gravel Walk as a little bit more friendly for Ellen Pipers. Cheers. <laughs>